Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA Podcast, episode number 81. It's Monday, that means we're coming with you with another results and recap episode, this time for hashtag UFC Vegas 22. That happened Saturday night. Your host, Noah B. and Dominic Salee, we're beginning another week. Dominic, how are you? Doing great, man. Another night of fights in the books, a lot of finishes, a lot of takeaways, some lesser-known fighters with some big-time performances. We love that. We love fight nights like this. Now we got a big week coming up, the recap, the special episode, the UFC 260 preview. It's going to be a hell of a week, my friend. Yeah, so everybody strap in. Three episode weeks are very busy in these parts, especially oh, yeah. after some, you know, coming off of a two-episode week where it felt like every, you know, not a lot of news and everything, yeah. very short episodes. Uh, strap in, because this one, <laughs> oh yeah, this one's got it's jam packed. It's gonna be fireworks this <laughs> yep, week. Yep. But uh, again, as I said, result and recap for hashtag UFC Vegas twenty two headlined with Derek Brunson once again doing it again over this time Kevin Holland in a very weird fight, but one where Brunson again proving himself the to be really came to play. Proving to be a legitimate force in this division still. Yeah. He said, don't forget about me. Yeah. It's two hype trains in a row now. Yeah. And you called it, so congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. But before we get into all the action that happened Saturday night, it's time for the news. The news. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> yeah, strap in. We start with a bit of a, with a, bit of a dud. This sucks. Yeah, so uh, UFC 260 is happening next Saturday. Obviously headlined by the rematch at heavyweight Stipe Miocic and Francis Ngannou. Co-main event, though, been kind of getting slept on for the featherweight oh, title. freaking wait. Alexander Volkanovsky looking to defend against Brian Ortega. That fight is now off of that card. Volkanovsky has tested positive for COVID-19. Looking like that fight might get moved a couple months down, but, you know, obviously this sucks. So just go ahead and talk about why you hate that this is the case. This fight really was not getting talked about. Like, I don't know if people were forgetting that it was happening. Was it just the heavyweight fight kind of overshadowing it? But this is an amazing fight that I could not wait for, especially after Brian's last performance. Volkanovski, hate him or love him, he's a damn good fighter. Two wins over Max Holloway. I couldn't wait for that fight, and then to announce that news, it sucks. And a guy in Volkanovski who's out of that New Zealand, Australia area, the way that they do their quarantines is so crazy. They have to do, you know, two weeks, then they have to travel here, then before they even get to go home, they have to quarantine some crazy amount of time like Dan Hooker did. So hopefully, I don't know, are they going to keep him in the States? Are they going to go back and forth again? There's probably so many intangibles that we don't get to see in this situation that are going on behind the scenes. But I, if I had to guess, I'd imagine they push this to 262 in May. Only because April already has three title fights. I mean, am I opposed to having four title fights? Not at all. I just don't <laughs> see that happening. Yeah. And book that with May with one fight we're going to talk about here in a minute makes the most sense. They're not going to put that on a fight night, I don't think. So... Yeah. It sucks for Volkanovski. It's, it's definitely tough for both guys. I mean, Ortega uh, released a video of him and his coach talking about just hoping that he, the champ gets well soon and they'll be ready to turn it around whenever they need to. And Yeah, hopefully um, you see this fight get rebooked in May. That would make sense. But it wouldn't surprise me. I don't believe there's a title fight in June yet. Yeah. Well, um, and Figgy and Moreno. Oh, Figgy but still, Moreno, or July doesn't have a title fight. Yeah. I think. So, I mean, that's kind of your options right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, but it, it definitely sucks that you know this. But in a way, I'm kind of almost. If there's a silver lining here, I feel like this fight was getting slept on only because yeah. the main event I think was overshadowing it. So yeah. So I think for this fight's sake, because I think it's a huge fight. I, I'm almost, I guess if there's a silver lining, it's that maybe it'll get a more prominent yeah. billing. Gets a little more time. I mean, look at even the poster for 260 didn't have this They weren't even on it, yeah. So. Which I get, you know, Stipe got him, biggest, baddest rematch. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, this fight is really big deal, oh, I yeah. think. So, um, I mean, these guys could headline their own card, I think. I, I agree, yeah. Ortega's done it before. It just, 
you know, I, I guess if there's a silver lining, yeah. that would be it. I agree. Guys. A little more time to build it up. Mm-hmm. Moving on. Uh, th- this is insane. <laughs> Five round headliner, May 8th for UFC Fight Night. Corey Sanhagen called a shot. This is the one. And he got it. TJ Dillashaw yeah. going to be making his return yeah, I mean, to fight Sanhagen. What are your thoughts on this one? I mean, this is a fight that's This seemed, is it. It seemed very obvious that this fight would get booked, but yet it didn't at the same time. However, I have to think, due to the unfortunate circumstances around Jan that versus definitely Sterling, pushed it over the edge. I feel like that's yeah. got to be a reason this is happening. That was definitely think? the reason this officially got confirmed. Sanhagen Dillashaw, number one contender fight. TJ looking to come back to get the belt that he never lost. Sanhagen on a tear ever since losing to Sterling. He has disposed of two absolute killers in two emphatic ways with a spinning back kick and a flying knee, Marlon Marais and Frankie Edgar, respectively. He's on a tear right now. Stylistically, this fight is absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. I cannot wait for this fight. It was the fight that they should have made. I'm so glad the UFC hit the nail on the head with this one. Uh, There's so many intangibles, so many question marks here. Around, surrounding TJ's return in general, but then you just break down the X's and O's of the fight itself, buddy. I can just take that fight for one night and that'll be it. That I cannot wait. That's going to be an absolute war. Oh, completely agreed. It's it's just I'm going to be very interested to see TJ Dillashaw mm-hmm. test himself here. You know, Corey Sanhagen's really proven himself. Oh yeah, to be at the top of this very just stacked 135-pound men's division. Um, For Dillashaw, it's almost like even though he is a two-time champion, one of the best bantamweights of all time, he still feels like he has something to prove because he did get the positive PED test two years off. Now you got a lot new cream of the crop at the Mm -hmm. top. You know, there are some familiar faces in there, but, you know, a a fight with Sanhagen is not – the kind of fight that you would like to come back to when yeah. you've been off for two years. But. And, and for Dillashaw, like you said, there are some familiar <clears throat> faces, but you look at the top, top, you've got Jan, you've got Sterling, you've got Sanhagen, three guys he's never fought against that are all three great matchups right. uh, style-wise with him. There's big things here for Dillashaw if he wins, and obviously the same goes for Sanhagen. This is a clear number one contender fight, I'd have to imagine. Yeah. Unless something stupid happens in Jan Sterling when they rematch, but... We'll, yeah, we'll let's, cross that bridge. And we yeah, let's. I I would like. I I definitely <laughs> yeah. think this is a number one contender yeah. fight, and it deserves to be. Like it or not, with Dillashaw, he never lost he, that. He never belt. lost the belt. He's a two time champion, and he popped at one twenty five. Well, okay, I, technically clean at one thirty. I'm not. I, I, I yeah, I'm not really talking about that, but more just if he wins against Sanhagen, you can't deny his no. his right for the belt. No, you know if he be if he was facing someone like Aldo and beat him. You can maybe question it a little more because yeah. has not exactly been a winner yeah. <laughs> this division. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think that's enough on that one. It's going to be really exciting. Five-round main event. Oh, yeah. Um, be interested to see how if it actually goes all five rounds. Oh, 100%. If that goes five rounds, that, that could be a very <clears throat> bloody war or a very technical battle. Either way, I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Moving on a week later on May 15th, this is UFC 262, the card you were talking about for uh, potentially Volkanovski Ortega being put on. And technically also, sorry, this isn't on here, but this is going to have fans as well. Yeah. This one going to be in Houston, Texas, UFC yep. 262. So. so it's looking like this is not going to be a one-off 261. Right. It like right. We're just back to having fans. And, yeah, at least for the pay-per-views for yeah. now. First, we'll start with the, because there's a couple big announcements for this card. We'll start with the, uh, I guess, smaller one. (laughs) It's not really fair to say that, but Jack Hermanson. The Joker's back. Yeah, the number six. Yep, that is six ranked middleweight. He is placed up against number 12, Edmund Shabazian. And I'm just going to start by saying I don't love this. Really? Don't love it. Don't get me wrong, I'm going to be excited for the fight. Like, it's hard not to get excited about these two guys. They're so exciting to watch. They're very fun to watch. For Hermanson, I think it makes sense. Fight now a little bit. He he lost to Vittori, who was already kind of lower in the rankings. 
So where you don't agree with I this. I just think that for Shabazian. This Shabazian is, side. This is really just. After what happened him. with Brunson. This is really throwing him to the wolves, man. Yeah. I mean, it's. They're giving even, even a higher ranked opponent. Yeah. This losing is, this to Brunson. Is, yeah. Brunson wasn't even ranked that far ahead yeah. of him compared to Hermanson. And really, Hermanson and Brunson share a lot of similar characteristics. And I mean, Brunson, he dismantled it. Let's be yeah. honest. So. I mean, Edmund, I just, I don't love it for him, but I get, hey, if you're getting, yeah, if you're getting the offer, if you're him, you got to take a yeah. fight like that. And if he loses to Hermanson, I think he's got the right people around him and mm-hmm. the right mindset that it's like, all right, he just kind of goes back to the drawing board. It's two losses, whatever. He's still so young and yeah. stuff. But still, man, when you have a guy with that much potential and that much hype around him, you hate to kind of see them, you know, kind of sputter out. Yeah. Still so young, 23 years old, was undefeated until the Brunson fight, but still back-to-back killers now, coming off of a pretty decisive loss and got finished by Brunson. It's got to be a deflating loss. Yeah. And now you're, you know, one that could maybe shake someone's confidence. Yeah. And then you get placed with someone who, not saying he's better than uh, Brunson, but he is at least ranked higher than yeah. Brunson. And it's a little bit different. Or Manson's killer with the submissions, but no slouch on the feet. Yeah, um, it'll be a different style fight for Shabazian. But and I guess this kind of just shows how big the UFC is on Edmund and how much they believe in him. It's got to be. You know, it's got to be. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think Shabazian losing to Brunson in the way he did says, like, I don't think that necessarily says that he isn't ready for this group of guys. I just think that was more Brunson just bringing his best game yeah. that night. Yeah. But the at the same time. right now. So. At the same time, though, like, it's, I don't know. It just, I feel like he should maybe be fighting a guy like Sean Strickland or Brad Tavares. Yeah, or yeah. Amari Yakbedov. I don't know. Someone, one of those guys kind of behind him. Just to... Get, get another win in. and then push yeah. himself forward again, you know? This is a guy that's very young with a lot of hype. You, you've you got to be careful with a guy like this if you're the UFC, you know? Yeah, I agree. And we've talked about that before, pushing fighters too soon and all this. So we, we've we'll see. That. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. But the bigger, I guess, fight here. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Our headliner for UFC 262. There will be a new lightweight champion for the first time since 2018. Yeah. Charles Oliveira. Charlie Olives himself is looking to become a champion against... The nature boy. <laughs> the nature boy. <laughs> Jet flying, limousine riding, wheeling, dealing. Kiss stealing. It's Michael Chandler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Michael Chandler in his second UFC fight going for a belt. Charles Oliveira's probably fought in the UFC about uh, 25 times. So Yeah. What a fucking fight. Yeah. I mean, seriously, dude. I'm so I'm gonna start. What a fight! So I'm gonna start. There's been some controversy about this one, as it seems like that's always the case with Michael Chandler for some reason <laughs> and this division. And the guy is just what I a guy. Love the guy. What a guy! But I think these are the two rightful guys. If Dustin Poirier doesn't want to be in the title, and fight. Dustin removed himself. Yep, he wants the trilogy with Connor. Chase the bag. We respect it. Yeah. If if that's what you want to do. All right, Completely we're cool agree. with you not getting the shot then. That's Completely okay. Completely agree. However. There's one other guy. There's one other guy. Yeah. It's Justin Gaethje. Now, I completely understand. It's it's all, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to this. Right. Justin Gaethje earned his title shot against Habib. Had his moments, even though it was only a two-round fight. Uh, or I guess to, uh, he technically won one the first the, round. Yeah, technically. Even though I didn't score it that way. Yeah. However... That was his last fight. Right. So, in my opinion, coming off a loss, I would rather have a guy like Michael Chandler get a title fight. I think his Bellator achievements... Plus a, such a dominant win over Hooker yeah, is as enough. I really do believe, like, Bellator, I believe, is like him being arguably the face of that promotion. I think that does kind of yeah. earn himself something. And he was UFC. a champ, like, three times. Yeah, I mean, I think that defenses. I think that earns himself something. Like, I think yeah. it gives him some level of credibility. The UFC may not mention Bellator's name very often, but they know. They yeah. know. Yeah, of course. Now, but, it's, do we want to talk about the Gaethje tweet? Yeah, go ahead. So, Justin essentially said he went to bed the night before this was announced, mm-hmm. having signed a bout agreement to fight Michael Chandler. 
All of a sudden, the very next night, Habib officially retires. The belt's up for grabs. Charlie Olive's Michael Chandler gets announced for the vacant title. Wow. And Justin's just like, uh, guys, <laughs> what's going on? So, very interesting there. I'd love to know what went on behind the scenes. Was it money disputes? Was it just a matchup-wise? Did they prefer Oliveira Chandler? I mean, Oliveira deserved it 100%. It was always who's going to be against Oliveira yeah. if it's not Dustin especially. And they went with Chandler, but like Noah said, Chandler is the one coming off of a win, former champion. Gaethje had the title fight, was the interim champion, so even off yeah, of a loss to Habib, true. could still fight for yeah, the title. Yeah, and I wouldn't have, just, you know what if I mean? they had done, because what was being rumored was it was going to be Gaethje Chandler. Yeah, right. And that, in my eyes, felt like it made sense, I guess, money-wise. Not like these two guys are necessarily bringing the house down pay-per-view wise but i thought charles Oliveira, i felt like was the weakest if you're talking about pay-per-view and just name value yeah which is unfortunate because he's yeah yeah however i have to kind of give some sort of credit to the ufc because it feels like they are trying to i mean chandler like you can argue that gaethje should be getting it over chandler Mm -hmm. i would be hesitant to agree with an argument of putting gaethje over Oliveira. no Oliveira. there's no one that should be over Oliveira. I think hopefully most people can at least agree on that part. And I mean, and I, but at the same time, if I'm being, I'm just gonna throw a little devil's advocate. The way Gaethje was the one that beat Tony Ferguson the first time, yeah. and then Charles follows it up with the win over Ferguson. Yeah, he's getting the title shot. Chandler starts it starts Dan Hooker, yeah. but Dustin had beaten Dan Hooker over the summer. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, I get it. A lot of moving pieces. Just wanted to throw this out there. This will be when this fight happens. Charles Oliveira's 28th UFC fight and Michael Chandler's second. Yeah. I think, what, five hours of octagon time for Charles compared to two minutes for Chandler. <laughs> yeah. but It's an amazing fight, though. Can we just talk about the fight itself? Like uh, how I can't really fathom it in my I, mind. I'm going to have a really hard time breaking this down. I mean, seeing a, I can't a debut like Chandler had... Both credits himself as like a top guy in this division, but also we didn't see a ton of you know. We saw the pressure, we saw the power. We didn't see really what else, how his other capabilities are gonna transfer to the Mm -hmm. UFC. And Oliveira has accolades for days. And oh, oh my gosh! Because that's what I'm really gonna be interested to see is how can Michael Chandler's wrestling do against. A guy like Oliveira, who, hey. let's be honest, has some of the best jiu-jitsu in the entire UFC. And if he's on his back, is an absolute killer. Two months out, and I'm in my head I'm thinking, Chandler might want to keep it on the feet. <clears throat> no, I agree. And guess what? That's not even an easy task anymore. Yeah, Oliveira's no slouch. Because Oliveira's packing some heat. In you talk hands. about a guy that, it, you want to talk about an evolution since they first came into the UFC? Look no further than a guy like Charles <laughs> Oliveira. He right. has really put it all together. Hitting his stride right now, eight in a row, seven via finish, dismantled Tony Ferguson. This dude's on a mission, and I'm so happy for the guy and for Chandler, the newcomer to the UFC, but really been around the game for a long time. I can't wait. I so, can't wait. Last thing to talk about with this one, since we did talk about Gaethje, where do you think that leaves him here? Because now you got Oliveira yeah. fighting Chandler, you got Dustin Poirier fighting Connor. Where does that leave him? You know, I think it depends. On what he wants to do. Does he want to wait? Does he want to be inactive? Because uh, he hasn't fought since October. Now we're kicking on. It's almost April now. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to figure if he waits for like a loser or winner of Oliveira Chandler, that's not until May. That's two more months. Right. Then you got to think, oh, at least three months after that fight happens. Then we're talking July, August. Um, so do you want to wait that long? Dustin and Connor, they probably won't fight till July. So if he wants to fight one of them, you got to wait three more months <laughs> after that. We're talking September, October. That's a whole year without Justin Gaethje. I don't want to go a whole year without Justin no, Gaethje. You can't. You can. RDA. Yeah. If you want to stay active, because Justin only needs one. He's well, I mean, the, there's a lot of shit going on yeah. in this division, but theoretically, he only needs one. And <laughs> a guy like RDA. As Dana has said, is a huge. He's win the for highest anyone. ranked guy available, exactly, and that, and that he hasn't fought yet, exactly. Because you got Tony at number five, who he's already beat, and who's fighting Benil Dariush. Otherwise, he's going to have to wait. After and RDA, are, you have Dan Hooker. Yeah. I mean, honestly, 
I'm just going to throw it out there. I mean, Islam Makachev could be interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if the UFC catapults him up. I mean, does it make a lot of sense? No, I definitely think the RDA fight would make more sense if he wants to fight more soon. Yeah. But tell me you wouldn't be intrigued by a Justin Gaethje versus Islam Makachev I'm intrigued by Islam fighting any of these guys. Yeah, true. To be honest. I mean, honestly, the fight that makes more sense is Islam fighting RDA. RDA, right. (laughs) But if Gaethje's one of the fights... For Justin's sake. The fact that he signed a bout agreement's got to say something about this guy wants to get back in there. That's got to sting. Oh, having that buy I'd love to yeah, see I don't, more of the details I, there. I know you, you mentioned that when you were talking about his tweet. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's really a money thing. I mean, they offered it to him. I just... I wonder what happened. I well, really I mean, do. truthfully, you have these three guys that all signed it. So you'd be asking the same question if they left Oliveira out or if they left Chandler out, right? So it's kind of like... They just picked It two. was the mindset. Maybe they just put their names in a hat and picked two. <laughs> I don't the, know. The guy was I, it, Truthfully, I think the two rightful guys right yeah. now are going to be fighting since Dustin took himself out. Right. So if you're Gaethje and you want to stay active, I think you go RDA. If you want to wait around, there's a lot of shit going on. The loser on, of so. this fight. The loser of this. The loser of Dustin Connor. Yeah. Because odds are the winner of Dustin Connor is going to fight the winner yeah. of Oliveira That's Chandler. True. So, yeah. Uh he just needs to get another win, I think. Yeah. To just get that taste and of then the he loss kinda... out of his mouth, and that way he can say he's back And on. him and RDA. That's, that's interesting. RDA's a grinder, man. So Yeah. Whew. Moving on, a week after that, May 22nd. This was one that kind of came out of nowhere, in my opinion. Now, Noah, I do apologize. You didn't get the fight <laughs> that you wanted so No, badly. but I got to say that this fight is <laughs> This fun. is nice, yeah. A big fight at Bantamweight. We just talked about one a little bit ago, number two, Corey Sanhagen being placed up against technically unranked TJ Dillashaw. Yeah. Number three, Rob Fonts got his next fight, and it's against number four, Cody Garbrandt. That's a pool. Now, Cody Garbrandt had a weird end of 2020. Um, he was scheduled to be next in, in a flyweight yeah. title fight with Davison. Had to pull out of that fight due to testing positive for COVID. It looks like he's had a lot of lingering yeah, post-COVID. Had a jacked up bicep muscle. Yeah. After effects Sounds of like COVID. he's had some really bad after yeah. effects of COVID. And, um, but it looks like he's good now. And he, he said he wanted to shoot for the summer. And right at the beginning of the summer, he's getting a fight here with Rob Fox. Against a dog. Now, Cody, you know, he's had kind of a tale of two cities in his career, right? <laughs> You got the guy who had one of the best title fight performances in UFC history over getting the the belt over Dominic Cruz. But then you've seen the guy who is very reckless. Reckless. He loses some of that fight IQ and just slugs it out and gets knocked out. And gets knocked out. Three times in a row. Both TJ fights and then Pedro Munoz. Well, he did bounce back with the big win. And he looked good. Knockout of the year fight. contender with yeah. um, Rafael Asuncao. Now he's getting Rob Font, who is a true boxer. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's not going to be an easy fight. but Someone's going to sleep. Yeah, you got to think so, right? <laughs> Man. And this if, is a five-round main event, but it ain't going five. If this goes five rounds... They're going to have to take a year off because <laughs> yeah. this is going to be nasty. <laughs> I can't wait. That's a great stylistic fight. Um, you can't really say a number one contender fight in this division because there's so much shit going on, plus the Sanhagen-Dillashaw thing. But the winner of this is set up for big things, maybe even the loser of Sanhagen-Dillashaw. Stylistically, it's going to be on the feet. Very interesting how it'll play out. Rob Font, very crisp, technical. Cody can be very crisp and technical, but when he lands one shot, he puts people to sleep. Yeah, I know. I don't know if uh, Rob Font matches up power wise, but his technique is going to be very oh, crisp. Yeah. Oh yeah, you saw and what he did he to finds, a, finds those openings very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be interested to see if this fight really does stay on the feet. I would think it. Cody would. is a great wrestler background, and Rob Font's yeah. not terrible. But when he got taken down by Marlon, that was Marlon, you know, and uh, got up. I mean, it was, you know, he did get taken down relatively easy, but Marlon. You know, does have some background. Mm-hmm. It's just, it'd be interested to see if this fight actually does go to the ground at all. I don't imagine it will. I don't see this fight going too long. Yeah, I know. 
But who knows? I mean, I'd love to see the over under. Cody did look really good when he came back against Sunsell. Looked that's how he needs to fight. He looked a little bit smarter, you know. Calm down, you know. Keep your hands up. I'm very excited for it. That's an awesome. And you know what? Even though we are big Cody guys, we admit it. We're he's an Ohio boy. Yeah, the Ohio guys. But for Rob Font, this is we talked about this in the this or that episode. I wanted this kind of fight for Rob Font. I said I wanted Font versus Dillashaw. Yeah. But getting Garbrandt. Could even be better right now. Yeah. You're getting a guy that's one of the biggest names in the division. Yeah, for sure. And a guy that actually has some positive momentum right now after his win last summer. And still a former champion. Yeah, so. Big name. So. It's a big fight for Font to really prove that he belongs oh, it's in his top biggest five. fight of his career for sure. This is mm-hmm. massive for him. And Cody, you know, looking to put another win together to make it two in a row. He needs a win mm-hmm. here, so. It's, it's important for both guys. Now on to the rest. The reason there was a UFC yeah. lightweight title fight analysis is because Habib is officially retired. He retired again. This time for good. Although, according to him, it was... He's Tell like, the people kind of what led up to this point. Because there was some... We, we didn't talk about this Friday. But talk about what what unveiled and... What's going? What happened to okay. lead us to having to say again that he's retired? Step one, October 2020. Habib beats Justin Gaethje and retires immediately thereafter. Step two, Dana White begs and pleads for Habib not to retire and proceeds to have 16 different dinner dates with Habib in Las Vegas. Step three, they have one more meeting uh, this past weekend before Saturday. And Habib officially says, I'm done. I'm giving up the belt. On that same night, they announce Oliveira Chandler. And then Saturday night, Habib's sitting cage side with Dana White, just chilling, watching the fights and cornering Kevin Holland in the process, sort of. We'll talk about that later. So, yeah, Habib, in his uh, interview with Megan O'Leary, I suggest anybody to go listen to that if you haven't. He kind of has had his mindset this whole time. It was more so just Dana poking the bear, uh, no pun intended, you know, because he wrestles bears. Mm-hmm. So now Habib is officially riding off into the sunset, but he said, you know, I hope that everyone can respect my wishes and I'm still going to be around. He's going to be coaching and getting involved. And I think he's going to be a big ambassador for the sport and for the UFC as a whole. I think there's going to be a lot of big things down the pipeline partnership wise between Habib and the UFC. So the Eagle flies away for good, relinquishes the belt. Mm-hmm. And now here we are. Yeah. The longest <laughs> retirement process in the history of sports. Good summary. Yeah. And really this all could have been it should have been done in October. Resolved a while back, yeah. but that's okay though. It was it was really weird though that Habib was like kind of teasing coming out just for two days later to be like, yeah, no, what a sly dog. I know. What a tease. And now that Dana's even accepted it, it's like, <laughs> all right, thank God, let's just move yeah. on. Yeah. Habib, what a career, one of the best of all time. And they took no time moving on. Like I said, literally the same night, Dana posted a selfie with Habib. <laughs> 30 minutes later, Oliveira Chandler. I shit myself. Didn't know what was going on. So, yeah. Anyway. it's out. You know what I bet kind of happened? I bet that they were put... I mean, you know, these t- these fights, these title fights, I assume, take a while to get. Yeah, I'm sure they put it on the table with Habib that night, you know. They basically said, look, oh, yeah. we have a bout agreement in place for Oliveira Chandler. I would love to hear what Habib had to say about the fight, you know, honestly. That matchup, I'm sure he gave some input on it. and mm-hmm. Maybe he even played a factor in getting Chandler over Gaethje. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, Habib, man, an absolute legend. Retired as the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world, 29-0. Not many people go out when they're on the tippity top of the mountain, and he did. So, mm-hmm. hats off. Yeah, so now, kind of the last thing to talk about, we have a couple welterweights. Welterweight there. drama. Yeah, as as seems to be the case in this division. Uh, Leon Edwards, kind of a weird fight he had with Bilal Muhammad uh, last weekend. He said on Joe Rogan's podcast, right? Yep. That he wants Colby in May or early June, while Gilbert Burns has said that he wants a fight in June. Apparently two guys have said yes, and Colby said no. Right. He, did, uh, he did not name the individuals that said yes. i got to imagine... One of them's got to be Wonder Boy. Stephen Thompson's yeah. one of them. And I, I, that fight's awesome, in my opinion. But who's the second guy? I don't really know. No. But what are your thoughts about these two guys? I know we kind of, at least I, basically said I don't want to see Leon run it back with Blau. Right. 
Yeah, um, so we talked about in our recap for the UFC Vegas 21 Edwards Bilal card. Uh, you said Burns and Edwards, and I, you know, I think that's awesome. Not a really a fight that I had given much thought into. Clearly, that's not it. I don't think, according to the way Burns worded his tweet, because then Leon's thing about Colby came out later. Uh, although I think Leon Colby is the fight that they should do. I'm not opposed to seeing Leon fight Burns. But yeah, Leon and Colby is a number one contender fight through and through. I think it's a really good stylistic fight. That's the one they should make. For Burns, I think him and Wonderboy is incredible. I think if Gilbert's not fighting Colby or Leon, it has to be Wonderboy. Wonderboy's on a win streak now. He's trying to earn his title shot back. And uh, for Burns, coming off of a title loss, you're still fighting a top five guy, a former title challenger, two-time title challenger. And Wonderboy, I think stylistically that fight is incredible for the fans, a stand-up battle, a very patient karate uh, style, and Wonderboy, very aggressive striker, and Gilbert Burns with the incredible jiu-jitsu background. I'm for Burns, Wonderboy, Leon Colby. Mm -hmm. Just do it. Let's get some shit going in this. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm tired of Because once this title fight happens in April, we're going to need next stuff. We need some clarity. There's a lot of stagnation going on, it feels like. And it doesn't help when you have these fights end like the way Leon's did with Blau. And now people are talking about that fight being run back. Uh, Just move on. That's just a... That fight didn't need to happen. They did it so Leon could get a fight in and it didn't get... It blew up in their face. All right? right, Let's just say it. Call it what it is. And fight, I'm, fight the best of the best and move on. Blau needs to fight someone a little Michael lower. Michael Chiesa. Keep huh? him in the top. He needs to fight Michael Chiesa. Oh. Keep it. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Bilal needs to fight Michael Chiesa to keep him relevant because he, you know, he saved that card to fight Leon. Uh, so see, still rewarding with somebody in the top ten. Chiesa's trying to earn his way in. See, I'm just disagree. do that fight because there's an odd I'm man disagree. out. That's fine. I'm just trying to put some shit together. <laughs> Chiesa should probably fight someone a little... I don't know. You can't fight anyone higher, really. Exactly. But. Fucking Bilal Muhammad. <laughs> there we go. We just gotta get... Come on! We need this division to just go. That's go, the go. end of the news. The news. <laughs> I'm tired of talking about the damn welterweights. Okay. Let's no, talk about middleweights. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay. But... Ooh. On to the results and recap from hashtag UFC Vegas 22. I'm just going to run down the results of the main card. We did lose a fight. Gregor Gillespie and Brad Rydell. <laughs> we lost the fight. Yeah. Fuck. Fell out at the last second. Hopefully that gets rescheduled. Yeah, they soon. said COVID protocols. Usually that means someone in a corner yeah. might have tested positive. Yeah. Um, regardless, that means we ended up with a five fight main card. This is true. Starting at the bottom, a heavyweight tied to Ivasa. Bam, bam. Yeah. 49-second TKO of Harry Hunsucker, Kentucky's own. Yeah. We're going to have to do a shoey at some point on this podcast. Oh, yeah. I'm all down for that. Okay. After that, bantamweight. Fight of the night. Oh, we called it. Spoiled it. I'm spoiling it now. Fight of the night. Adrian Yanez getting the KO. Hey. Over Gustavo Lopez, 27 seconds into the third round. Yanez is a problem. He's a problem for this division, man. That guy's good. Mm-hmm. Women's straw weight. What the hell? Well, <laughs> what? Hey, okay. Ben uh, Askren was watching this so happy last night. <laughs> now, um, we're going to call her Montserrat Conejo. Yeah. Um, I think it's... Everywhere else is saying Ruiz. Ruiz. I think it's all one. Including the UFC's website. But on the broadcast, Conejo was what was right. listed. So Montserrat Conejo gets the unanimous decision win over Cheyenne buys 29-28 times 2 and 29-27. All other fun fact, not to shit on you, I just think it's funny, you know, because we're, we're a funny podcast. Mm-hmm. It's technically base. Not buys. I figured. <laughs> it doesn't surprise <laughs> According me. According to the broadcast. Okay. Cheyenne Bays. <laughs> if you, yeah, I digress. Yeah, like, it doesn't surprise hey, me. Hey, I didn't want to do that to make you mad. I just no, I know, I know. I, I knew it. Like, I knew when I read it. I'm like, nobody in this world has a last name buys. It's definitely not pronounced that way. But the anyway. American in me can't help it. Right. Co-main event. Oh, Walter boy. Max Griffin, the there, vet. There goes my preview article. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dom predicted it completely wrong. <laughs> and so did I. With the KO over Song Kanan, two minutes and 20 seconds into the first he round. He looked good. And we finished our night off at middleweight. Quit doubting, Brunson. Derek Brunson getting that unanimous decision win over Kevin Holland, 49-45 and then 49-46 on the other two scorecards. 
Yes, sir. Before we go in depth on those, let them know. It's time for the prelim notables. Prelim notables. And I'm going to start this time. Do it. Because I want to get my pick in there. Okay. Grant Dawson. Mm-mm-mm. Woo! So, uh, he had a great fight with Leonardo Santos. Was winning the fight. Up two rounds nothing. Yeah. In the third round, Santos was sort of trying to threaten with some sort of knee bar. Uh, Dawson just started throwing... <laughs> Dude. <laughs> just started throwing whack-a-mole punches. It was bad. And... Knocked him out cold with a second left in the fight. That's why he's my prelim notable. Grant Dawson, even when he was up on the judges' scorecards and mm. knew he was up, yep. still looking to finish the fight. Yep. Have a lot of respect for that. Also, some great in-round, in-between, excuse me, in-between-the-rounds corner advice from his coach. Just all-around great performance. And James Krause. James Krause. Yeah, Shout yeah, out to James Krause, yeah, man. James great Krause. fighter, even better coach. Yeah, giving some great advice in-between rounds and, Grant Dawson looked great there, and I'm just—it feels good that like he, even to the last second, that man was still looking for a finish. Yeah, it's like one of only two or three fights that have ever ended, four fifty-nine. You know, right. literally one second left in the fight. So, like you said, shout out to Dawson. Up on the scorecards, never stop going for the finish, and he gets it. My prelim notable, Mister Montel Jackson, mm-hmm. crispy, nasty. Boxing combinations defeats Jesse Strader via first round TKO, a minute 58 in. Dominated the entire two minutes of that fight. Looks so good on the feet. He's got seven of his 10 wins via KO TKO right now. Very well spoken in the post fight interview. Uh, just, just one of those guys that seems so intelligent about the fight game. And, um, you know, when they ask him, oh, who do you want next? And blah, blah, blah. He's not one of those guys that's calling for stupid shit. It's kind of reminded me of Aspinall where he recognizes where he's at now and what he sees in his immediate future and then also goes into his goals you know, down the line. So very well-spoken dude. I think he's going to get back in there quick. He put on an incredible performance. I believe he was one of the official bonus winners. Don't quote me on that. There were four. And uh, he looked incredible, man. So Montel Jackson, shout-out to you, my brother. And I can't wait to see him fight again. He looked very good. He didn't get a performance of the night bonus, but I'm curious if that was because was he the one that missed weight? That I do not know. Because one of the guys in that fight missed weight, but I don't remember who. But, uh, yeah, still a great performance. Missed weight by two and a half pounds if it was him. Not going right. to cry over that. Moving on. We start with Tai Tuivasa and Harry Hunsucker. I mean. This one was quick. We thought it was going to be. Yeah, look, man, I mean, you know, Harry was throwing. He was. You know, he was trapped, but he stayed in the pocket with Tuivasa, and Tuivasa's just got And Ty so was power. landing, you know. Yeah, and, you know, we we talked about this on Friday that uh, this was a big it's step a, up, exactly. to say it lightly, That's for Harry. And it showed. Shout out to him for taking the fight on short notice. Yeah, it just showed that, you know, it looked like he probably needed kind of a... Well, we, we had looked at his record prior, and it's just that competition dip. When you look at the guys that Tui Voss has already fought, and he's still such a young guy in the UFC yeah. as compared to Harry, like, all right. It it's felt, just going to play mean, a factor. Yeah, so shout out to Tui Vasa to get the win as he should have. and My man's has got to be knocking on the door top 15 again, right? Don't you think? Um, yeah. Got to be right there. Yeah. I, I, I'm not so sure I'm going to put him in there yet. What about even at... What if I just little, give you a little Alexio Olenek? I, I called for Olenek to retire technically I don't know, after man. his last it's, fight. It's tough for me because Tui Vasa did have that three-fight losing streak. I know this is back-to-back wins. And the, the Olenek's going to test him on the ground, you know? Tui right, Vasa's but, the, but I, I don't think he's necessarily ready for top ten yet. If you look at those three losses he had, Junior Dos Santos at that time was a top ten guy. Blagoy Ivanov. He's number 12 now. Yeah. And then Sergei Spivak, who's kind of always been He's a right on the yeah. cusp as well. Then he gets a win over Stefan Struve, who Struve is not what Struve. He came out of retirement, lost, and retired yeah. again. And then Harry Hunsucker, who is not anywhere near yeah. the top 15. Yeah. So, to me, I think you probably need one more against a more credible opponent. And I don't necessarily know if Dante Mays is even I was going to say, maybe they just do that fight. You know? Yeah. I mean, they probably should. 
But who knows? I mean, right. it, obviously, Tui Vasa could get right back in there if he wanted to. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, this was really quick work. I, I'm not going to go top 15, but I don't blame you for doing it because... He's close. He's been battle-tested. Yeah. You know? I, I think, especially like if you're talking about turning him over quick and not sending him back to Australia with all the quarantine stuff, keep him here. Get that fight with Mays. Because I'm sure Mays is still in Vegas or in the area. He was... It was a COVID, right, for him? I or see. protocols. So, you know, maybe give it two weeks' time and they fight, you know, middle of April, maybe on one of those middleweight <clears throat> cards or something. Yeah. Keep him there, just for now. 49 yeah. seconds, he didn't get touched. No. So, yeah, we'll go with that instead. Mm-hmm. And we'll move on to the fight of the night. Oh, baby. Adrian Yanez getting that knockout of Gustavo Lopez. This was a great fight. Technical striking battle, but Yanez, I got to hand it to him, he really did land the bigger shots throughout all three rounds. Yeah, I mean, even if it was fight of the night, it was clearly Yanez's fight. I really did think that if Lopez was going to get a win here, I thought taking it to the ground would be to his benefit. Mm-hmm. He didn't appear to... He was standing and banging. Yeah, he just wanted to stand and bang, and I think that's ultimately what cost him here. But at the same time, Yanez just looked so crisp. He looked so well prepared. Uh, you can't take anything away from a performance like that. And you know what we have here? Another Contender Series alum. Yep. This was now his sixth straight victory. Five of them are via finish. <laughs> This man's a problem right now in that division. He called for a fight in his hometown uh, in Houston at UFC 262. Uh, and I think the UFC's got to oblige and give him his wish. That's two months out. He did take some shots, but not heavy damage. So give him some time, about eight weeks, give or take. Uh, I, I can't wait to see Yanez back in there. This dude, we're going to continue to hear about in this bantamweight division. As stacked as it is, it won't take him long to have a number next to his name. The rate he's going right now. Yeah, completely agreed. I mean, it's. I think he's actually with that win, probably putting himself about one fight away. Oh yeah, especially he's looked so damn good, man. Yeah, and for Lopez, I mean, he at least hung in there and showed some of his own capabilities on the feet. Just have to wonder if maybe it was the right game plan once you see how the fight transacted. Yeah, and you, uh, Yanez. Also showed kind of, like we were talking about with Cody having the one-shot power at 135. Yanez can land one shot that puts you down too, so don't sleep on it. Uh, this dude's going to be around for a while. I can't wait. He looked so good last night. He did get a bonus, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, I believe he yes, did. Yes, he did. Okay. So, yeah. Adrian Yanez, ladies and gentlemen, the Contender Series folk. The UFC puts him on main cards for a reason. They put him in big fights for a reason. Here's another one right here mm-hmm. that just showed you why. Agreed. Now here's a weird one we're going to talk about. Montserrat Canejo getting a unanimous decision win over Cheyenne Bays. Um. <laughs> Can I give a fun fact about Cheyenne Bays? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Her and her husband became the second ever married couple to debut in the UFC on the same night. And I believe her husband got knocked they out. They both lost. Yes. yes, this is true. That's tough. The other couple being Montana De La Rosa and Mark De La Rosa. So just a little fun fact there. It was pretty cool. Cheyenne Bays, another girl from... The contender series, she was 5-1 and one going into the fight, but she got controlled and, well, I'll just be honest, dominated for all three rounds. I'm honestly shocked she even got a round. I think it was the third round that they gave her. Uh, I don't remember how I scored it, but I just knew it was basically all Montserrat last night. I've never seen someone be able to hold a bulldog choke on the ground for so long, and she did it for basically 10 straight minutes in rounds 1 and 2. Did it again a little bit in round three. Uh, I actually scored round one a 10-8. I know there wasn't significant damage and blood and domination, but she outstruck her 50-5 to and had four minutes of control time. So, nevertheless, no matter how you scored the rounds, uh, Conejo just dominated the fight. That's all it was to me. Yeah, it... It was odd. <laughs> it was just a weird Did fight. she show me a lot outside of that in uh, Montserrat? No. If I'm being really. honest, I didn't really see much from either of these women that tell me that they're... You know, I mean, I get it. It was it was pretty clear-cut Conejo victory here. I just... I didn't really see much from either woman that tells me their longevity in this division or their, or their potential in this division is through the roof or anything. Um... And, you know, Cheyenne Bays was of someone that at least it appeared online that some of the hardcore fan base were behind, and even the UFC themselves seemed to be behind, and just kind of came out flat. Yeah. Just didn't quite really see anything from her. And just showed no answers. Yeah. You know? It's just, that's the way it goes sometimes. But fight kind of went, even though it, 
I can never say that I pre- would predict a fight to go to way that one did. But uh, at the same time... The veteran experience, at least, in fight, I guess, IQ, quote-unquote, did kind of play a factor. Because Bay showed that she just had no answer. She couldn't get up off the ground. She couldn't transition. She was just held and locked in. Ruiz, Canejo, whatever you want to call her, just did what she had to do. That was the perfect example of doing what you have to do to win a fight, was that fight. Yeah. Yeah, I'll agree Other than that, that, not a really, not a lot of takeaways. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this next one, the co-main event, Max Griffin over Song Kanan. Listen. You broke down this fight. I know it didn't quite. This Listeners, time. listen. <laughs> I do my research for these fights. I promise I'm not just blowing smoke out of my ass. But Max Griffin just shut me up, Noah. I mean, he looked so good from start to finish. I knew that fight was going to be a barn burner. Or had the potential to be, at least. And that's what it was for two minutes. But Griffin really was getting the better of the shots over Song Kinan during those two minutes and 20 seconds that it lasted. I didn't think that the one-shot power uh, would play in Max's hands. Because what I've seen from Song Kinan, he has one shot on that right hand and he puts people to sleep with it. Griffin just stole that power from him last night and uh, knocked his ass out. It was pretty brutal. Max Griffin looked good, man. That's two in a row for him now, by the way. He really needed it. He had lost four of his last six fights. So it's good seeing a guy that was once such a highly touted prospect getting back into a groove two in a row now. He's finished a lot of fights, has a ton of first-round finishes, I think six now. Uh, So shout-out to Max Griffin. He looked good. He shut me up, made me look stupid. What are your thoughts, Noah? Yeah, for Griffin, being that he's kind of the veteran here of these two, um, he's kind of been in some wars with a lot of guys he's been fighting in UFC for a few years uh really showing that yeah you know, what's weird is I don't even really feel like I saw a lot of like veteran moves here this is just a guy that looked well prepared and and he's landed very, a very timely shot quick and, quick and you know we were speaking a lot to Kanan's power to Kanan's ability on exactly. the exactly and you know Griffin just looked much more comfortable in he there. He set up the shots so and he nice. was much, Yeah, he was really setting up his shots well. Maybe that is kind of leading to that veteran that veteran little dash of mm. experience there. Uh, regardless, that, that, that did not look like a guy who was, what, 35 coming in here? Yeah, 36? I mean, he Song got stunned and had no chance to recover. Griffin pounced on him. That finish, he knocked his ass through the fence almost. I loved hearing Max, by the way, break down the knockout in his post-fight interview. It was so funny. He was providing the sound effects and stuff like, ooh, what a shot. So that was pretty funny, man. He was another bonus winner. Uh, Feel-good story for Max Griffin, a guy that really needed a win. And uh, I'm excited to see what's next for him. He's not quite ready yet based off of these last two fights. However, he still is a guy that's hovered in that 20-ish area right on the cusp of top 15 really ever since he's been in there big wins over guys like mike perry for example so he's there but not yet one or two more wins before there's a number next to his name yeah gotta agree with that assessment and now for our main event you called this one dom Derek brunson he said quit sleeping on me yeah damn it world noah Stop sleeping on me. I've never seen a guy accept the gatekeeper role so much as Brunson. I think he thrives in it. I think he's like, fuck y'all. I think he's another one of those guys that just kind of falters a bit when he's looking ahead. Yeah. He, he's he got the keys to the gate. Which, he, he dangles Which I don't want to talk about that yet. We'll talk about first. Hell of a performance against Kevin Holland. He looked good, man. He looked good. Uh, this is, again, another weird fight, though. I don't know what's been going on. These main events and I don't, high-profile fights in the last few weeks have ended up being kind of weird or duds. Or Man, I was just... Were you a little disappointed in oh, Ke- oh, Kevin how Holland? You, how could you not be disappointed? I mean, this fight, you know, both these guys have shown very exciting fights in their arsenal. They've Even if, you know, Holland didn't win... I thought this fight still had the potential to be exciting. Mm-hmm. Instead, you get Brunson kind of doing what he has to do to win, just kind of laying on Holland, not really doing a whole lot. Truthfully, Holland was being very was probably being more active at times off the bottom. Yeah. But he just never showed that. <laughs> There's no urgency man. at all. It, it was, was so no, odd. Holland just looked like he was kind of having a sparring. He session was just all right with being there. Yeah, I don't know. It, it was really weird. Um, and on the feet. He damn near finished Brunson, and I think, was it round two? Two, I think. 
He had him hurt bad. Now, shout out to Brunson. Weathered the storm. We've seen in times past when Brunson gets hurt, he gets yeah. finished. Yeah, exactly. So he did weather the storm. He clinched up, did what he had to do. But I still felt like if Holland just separates and gets the distance, he can finish this fight. And I felt he had that advantage all five rounds. But once he got taken down, no sh- showed no urgency to get up. He was still that very bright, vibrant personality, talking shit, being funny, which is awesome. But it's a little better when you're winning fights, too. I, it was just odd, because we know the potential that Holland has. Still only 28 years old, was on that five-fight tear in 2020. This was his biggest step up and a big name for him to really catapult himself in the division. Kind of just, it was an odd fight from him. For Brunson, looked great, did what he had to do, showed off his... He looked damn good wrestling because he's been knocking a lot of people out, but don't sleep on this dude's wrestling. It was a collegiate wrestler. He dominated Edmund in nearly the same way, except he finished that fight. But, uh, yeah, man, more so takeaway side leans more toward Holland for me in this one. Not in a positive way, but no. still. Yeah, I don't really know what to say because I don't want to assume anything about Holland's mindset coming in here. I, I think he does kind of have this sort of carefree attitude in all of his fights. It just, maybe with it being such a high-profile matchup, it showed more here. I know, you know, the video was released of him, like, you know, the funny stuff, him talking during the fights. Talking to Habib in the corner. Yeah. Well, no, I'm talking about in the other fights, like oh, yeah. Tiago Santos yeah. and stuff. But um, here it just felt more like... It was to his detriment. Yeah, Dana White said in the post-fight presser he felt that Kevin Holland had a quote-unquote mental breakdown in that fight and that he was just okay with doing all the talking and not really fighting. I didn't get to see the whole interview, just that quote. Uh, I don't know if I want to call it a mental breakdown. Seems like a weird way to... Yeah, but... um, For a guy who didn't... Just like, was it multiple lapses in judgment? Like, if you're getting taken down... Try to get back up. I don't know if he was trying to pull off another crazy Jacare Souza type knockout, but if you're trying to do that, that's not a good mindset to have coming into fights because we don't see people finish from the bottom very often that way. It was just upsetting because everybody loves this guy, Kevin Holland, such a bright personality and a hell of a fighter to back it up. A guy that in his own right is so good. He took down Derek Brunson last night, the first guy to ever do that in Derek Brunson's UFC career. So you just got to think when you see a moment like that or when he hurt him on the feet, where was that the other 23 minutes of the fight? That's what it comes down to for me. It's upsetting. Um, yeah, so like I said, more takeaways on the Holland side. I will say he weighed in at 183 pounds. Very long, lanky, skinny guy. Post-fight said, I'm interested in 170, and I wouldn't even be opposed to fighting Bilal Muhammad, which, by the way, that's kind of a cool fight that he mentions that mm-hmm. i'm not opposed to seeing him try out 170 it's barely any weight cut as it is what what were you telling me before he wanted to keep cutting weight before he weighed in or so something? he weighed in at 183 pounds obviously middleweight's 185 brunson weighed in at 186 because you have that one yeah. pound that you can go over he was apparently planning to this is an interview he did with the schmo he said this um holland said his plan was to cut all the way to 176 why? To, to like, just because? Because I guess he's been wanting to go down oh, to welterweight. So he just wanted to try it out. But um, he was advised not to do that because if he weighed around that weight, he might not be allowed to fight. Um, so he said that his plan, and I don't know if he was just talking shit or what, said his plan was to weigh in at 183 and then keep cutting down to 176. <laughs> He said keep dieting. That was his word. Yeah, so... so um, I don't know what's going on there, but it looks like he's going to be going down in weight. Are you which... opposed to seeing him at 170, or are you intrigued? No, I, I'd be very intrigued by it. Yeah. I, I think his length, you know, he, he does well at middleweight for... He could be a problem at 170. But at 170, if he can make that weight easily, which it looks like he can, yeah. his length could be a real problem. you got to figure he's going to walk in and be a lot bigger, longer than a, many of those guys in that division. It, it's interesting. I I would love it. I like it so much. I'm gonna grant him his, his wishes. I'm gonna propose his first fight at that division. Do it, Neil Magny. Oh my! A guy with some more length that can kind of match Kevin Holland. They kind of have similar frames. But well, and that's the thing too. When you have a name value like Kevin, you can get those guys that are already like what number ten in the yeah. division. They can throw you right in and not really have an issue with it. Yeah, I'm not opposed to that at all. Bilal Muhammad would make sense too, but I'm just gonna go with Neil Magny, a guy who's coming off a tough loss. 
And a guy that can pose some threats, though. Yeah, but it could be a really fun fight. You see that Holland tends to struggle when he gets kind of clenched up and dragged Wrestle. to the ground. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, therefore, a guy like Neil Magny, who loves to get into the clinch. Yes. Um, that could be a really interesting bout. Also, there could be some fun back and forth there if you want mm. to go off of the shit talking. But, yeah, yeah. Um, that would be the fight I'm going to propose for him. As for... Derek Brunson, I'm going to let you go first. Actually, if you want to go Holland, for I don't know if you want to give your thoughts on a Holland. I'm just going to go 170 in general. I'm okay. going to be boring. You went with a big fight, and I love that. I'm just going to say I'm intrigued and want to see him at 170, regardless of who it may be. If he gets top 15, don't be surprised because he's a huge name, and he's still 8-3 and three in the UFC. You can't sleep on a record like that. So, uh, yeah, 170 for Holland. Would love to see it. For Brunson, I'm granting him his wish if I'm in the UFC. I'm giving him Paulo Costa. Give this guy mm-hmm. a fight to where he's, if he wins, he can get a title fight. If he wins his next fight, he would be on a five-fight win streak, shut down two hype trains, and gets a top five win, obviously. And if he beats a guy like Costa with only one loss on his entire record, and that came to the current champ, you can't really deny Brunson anymore, and he would finally get that career goal of challenging for the UFC gold. Paulo Costa, very intriguing stylistic matchup. I think he presents a lot of problems to Costa if he can use his wrestling. If it's on the feet, Costa knocks the shit out of people. So if Brunson can weather the storm like he did against Holland, it's very intriguing on the feet as well. Give Brunson what he wants. Give him Paulo Costa. Give me that in the summertime. I like it. I definitely think Paulo Costa makes a lot of sense. I'm only asking you first because I'm going to offer the other option. The other option. Number three, Jared Kennedy. Exactly, yeah. Two guys coming off of tough losses. Haven't seen him fight in a while. Costa was just looking for a high-profile match with Robert Whitaker. He's out of that one. I actually think the Cannoneer match might be more realistic for Brunson. Mm-hmm. I think Costa might be looking to just see waiting. what happens with the winners and losers of those two bouts yeah. in April. But a fight with Cannoneer could propose a lot of problems. Cannoneer got that power. Exactly. Uh, very aggressive. And, you know, Brunson doesn't always do too well with those kind of guys. So it could be interesting, at least. And another guy with a lot of veteran experience. And if you're Brunson and you want that title shot, you're going to have to make yourself uncomfortable. You're going to have to fight these guys. And he's willing to do it. He's calling for them. Reward him. And finally, get him in where he wants to be. Completely agree. Booyah. But I think that's all for our result and recap of UFC Vegas 22. Hashtag it. Hashtag it. As for the rest of the week, Wednesday, this episode's a little bit extra special. We we have really planned out quite a good week for our listeners. We have, I mean, we are have. we smart or what? <laughs> you know? Am I tooting the horn a little? <laughs> I am. A, just a wee bit. A little. But Wednesday, we're coming to you with another edition of the classic pay-per-view review. Third installment. This time for UFC 220, and you might ask yourself. Not so classic, question mark. <laughs> I don't know much about UFC 220. What's that one? Well. There's a reason. It's the first time that we saw Stipe defend his belt against Francis Ngannou. And obviously with them rematching this Saturday, why not take it back? Look at what happened the first time they fought, along with the other fights on that main card. Daniel Cormier defending Mm -hmm. his light heavyweight belt against Volkan Uzdemir. Yep. It just seems to make sense to take it back there, especially because this fight is happening, uh, what, three years? Three years later, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's basically around this time, three years ago, they fought. It makes a lot of sense to go back and look at what happened the first time. Exactly. And then Friday, (laughs) we're previewing the entire UFC 260 main card, along with anything else that sticks out to us. Um Got our work cut out for us. We'll see what they put into the main Yeah, right now we're sitting at four fights. We'll see what gets added Mm -hmm. on. So it should be interesting. We're going to have a lot of fun doing it, though, because that card is still great. Yeah, we've got uh, O'Malley, Thomas Almeida. Mm -hmm. uh, O'Malley making his return. And then there's also the ranked fight, and I'm totally blanking right now. I got you. Tyron Woodley. Yep, there it is. There it is. I knew it was a big one. So uh, Um, that's going to be a fun fight. Can't wait. mm -hmm. I am curious to see what they add on. Yeah. But I'll, needless I'll to say, the main event in itself is yeah. enough for us. <laughs> it is, it is. But until then, mm-hmm. Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. On Twitter, on Instagram, at Diesley14. Find the podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, at 
B-A-J underscore MMA podcast. By the way, thank you to all of our listeners out there. Y'all have been killing it lately on the audio platforms, especially. The numbers are really starting to boom and be very consistent, and it's growing at a rapid pace, so thank you. And uh, for those of you on YouTube, get subscribing over there. We're at 51. We're, we're grinding, inching and clawing to 100. And uh, believe me when I say you're going to want to be on YouTube in the coming weeks. So get on over there. <laughs> Got to agree with you. As for me, if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at ntbaker underscore, you'll be taken to our link tree, which gives you the links to all the platforms that the podcast is on, along with the social media platforms. That includes the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, along with Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. It's all on there, baby. And there's a couple links for the Anchor page. First, leaving a voice message. If you have a thought about an upcoming fight, a news story, if you just want to say hi or call us a piece of shit, you have 60 seconds to do it. And there's another link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. That just provides us with a few dollars a month. All that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast. Whether it be audio equipment or... Down the line, doing a video podcast. So again, you can find all that if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at ntbaker underscore. But with that, we're out. We'll see y'all on Wednesday.